Welcome to Live Your Own Fit Performance Coaching, hosted by myself, Jamie L. Jacobs, and my husband, Pete Jacobs, where each week we work really hard to bring you all the latest news and up-to-date information, plus our own experience and our own research into health and performance, nutrition, mindset, performance, and recovery. This week, Pete and I are talking all things protein. So Pete's a gun on protein. He loves protein so much that he eats mostly protein. So take it away, Pete. Yeah, thanks. This is very exciting for me to delve into protein and the benefits <laughs> of it. Um, I'm eat, I do eat mostly protein and it's there's only three macronutrients, carbohydrates, fat and protein. So protein really does get uh, the bum end of the deal. It, it cops a lot of bad press and a lot of people are totally under eating one of the three macronutrients. And arguably, as I'll put forward in this uh, podcast with Jamie, that it is the most important macronutrient. So what does protein do? It breaks into amino acids to be rebuilt as protein inside your body that can be used to create cells and muscle tissue, organs, skin, hair, it's absolutely everything is made out of these amino acids that become proteins. Now, the first question I want to cover is, I don't want to have a dig at the vegan community at all, but everybody says, how can a cow grow really big without eating protein? If they eat grass, then why can't I be super healthy just eating grass as well? And the answer to that is quite obvious and simple. Because cows are ruminant animals. They have more than one stomach. Cows actually have four compartments. And those stomachs allow a large amount of fermentation that can break down cellulose in the grass. Now, humans can't digest cellulose. We can't break that down. But as it ferments, it turns into some fatty acids, which is some energy for the cows, and also creates a huge amount of bacteria as it ferments. And a little bit similar to our digestion, um, where bacteria is in our gut, but in much, much greater quantities in the cows. And then the cows are able to take some of that bacteria, flush it through their system, and they actually digest the bacteria and get a lot of their protein comes from the bacteria because they produce it at such great amounts that they get their amino acids from the bacteria, thanks to being able to break down cellulose. And it's super interesting um, that that's how they survive off amino acids and protein that they create within their own system because of bacteria. Um, so they use that for everything. They use that for building cells, which become muscles, organs, and baby cows, um, just like it is in humans as well. So anyway, now we're back into what happens in humans and what do we need? Where do we get our amino acids from? And the importance of amino acids. So. The scientists have determined that there's around 20 amino, core amino acids that our genetic code uses to create uh, protein-building amino acids and joins together to get the proteins that we need from these 20 core amino acids. Um, a protein is very small within our body, and it can contain, once it's built within our body, it can contain several dozen amino acids. Uh, or very large ones contain more than 10,000 amino acids. 
Um, and then there's average size ones that are just 200 to 300 amino acids as well. So those 20 core amino acids are all that it takes to make every single protein in our body. So therefore, everything that is made in our body comes from just these 20 core amino acids. So researchers know that the ability of our body to create and transform amino acids can change at different stages of our life. And also in the face of very slowly developing health chronic, pro- chronic health problems like the gradual loss of blood sugar control. So as we age, things change. But if you're young and you do have a metabolic syndrome, then it's likely that your ability to create cells from these proteins is inhibited. Much like when you get older, there's other reasons why as you get older, you can't create as many uh, proteins from the same amount of amino acids as well. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Then from those 20 core ones, there's nine essential amino acids. And nine essential mean that we have to eat these nine. They're not available, they're not able to be produced within our body, they have to be consumed. So then there's another six that sometimes can be made and sometimes can't be made depending on how healthy our body is, I guess, or at what stage in our life we are. So a couple of major factors there. And then some five to seven can always be made within our body. Um, So there you go. That's the ability of our body to, we have to eat some we can make some sometimes when we're healthy and all the other things are available, such as uh, vitamins, which we talk about a bit later as well. And then the other five to seven can always be made within our body. So it's very clear what we need if we go back to looking at what babies drink and what they eat. And that would be breast milk. So I'm going to throw it back to you, James, to tell us about that. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Pete. So nature, evolution, God, uh, whatever you like, however you view how we came to earth, has given us everything we need to thrive in breast milk. It has all the essential amino acids and a couple of extra amino acids that can be made from those nine. It also has the highest amino acid present in breast milk, which is leucine. Every study, researcher and scientist that I've learned from, they all talk about evidence around leucine being the most important amino acid. So how do we confirm how much protein or amount of protein we need? Well, some research says by body weight, lean body weight, or blood volume, this is how they determine the amount of protein that people need. Everybody has a different opinion. So we all have similar blood volumes and we all have the same amount of requirements for our body to put together a certain number and type of amino acids. So most people need the same minimum requirement of around 30 grams in one meal. We do need to have it including all those nine essential amino acids to enable that protein synthesis process to occur. However, this is a very generalized um, statement that we're making and two examples of needing less are from studies of with um, younger healthy males being the participants. So their hormones can do some of the f- formation of the non-essential amino acids created endogenously, in, meaning it's coming from within and also created from other pathways. The other is if you supplement with leucine as it is the most important amino acid, an increased level of leucine 
through supplementation can reduce the total amount of protein needed for protein synthesis. So that's a real key point there. Um, do, do you agree, Pete, that if someone is uh, vegetarian or even vegan, it may still be possible to enable certain um, consumption of protein to occur through supplementation so they do get the benefits of protein synthesis. Yeah, definitely. Leucine is the key protein that is used, as you mentioned, in more keys and hard to explain, but basically every time a bit of DNA comes out and gets split apart, that DNA joins up with all these amino acids and those amino acids then become, you know, the code, they're reading the code, they hook up with that piece of DNA that then becomes the cell that it's meant to become, whether it's skin, muscle, hair, whatever it is. So you get this weird interaction of if you, they come in threes, the amino acids come down and every key has three different aminos. So leucine is used in more of those keys as a third particle than other aminos. So uh, that's why leucine is the most important one because you're going to be lacking a lot of ability to create and fit those connective proteins and amino acids into the right sections of DNA if you're missing leucine. So it's it's hard to explain, but I saw some pictures and it makes obvious sense <laughs> in pictures. Pictures always help. Yeah. yeah. So, but basically what you're doing is taking DNA, connecting it to amino acids, and then that forms a cell through another little compartment and, and you get out this protein that becomes what you want it to become. So what you need is yeah, a moderate amount of protein. So you can get by with less protein and, and many people do, particularly vegetarians or vegans. But is it optimal? And so is it the easiest way for your body to do the repairing, to do the healing, to hormones are made of proteins, um, neurotransmitters, you know, everything gets made of proteins. We'll get into that a little bit later too. So it can be done um, on a vegetarian um, or vegan diet, but yeah, definitely think of what types of amino acids you are getting. And one thing that some people do, and this has been around for donkey's years, <clears throat> is protein combining, which I think some a lot of people might have heard of, where you combine rice and beans, for example, and that gives you all the nine essential amino acids so that your body's got all the amino acids it needs for doing that process of connecting to your um, particles of DNA to create all the proteins that it needs. Um, but keep in mind that if you are combining rice and beans, the protein levels in the rice and beans are extremely low. So you don't need tons and tons of leucine, but you need a three to five grams. So you just got to make sure that you're doing your research. If you are thinking that, oh, I've been, I've been told that combining foods like, you know, beans and rice is going to give me a complete protein. You also want to look at the levels of that you're getting, because like we mentioned, for protein synthesis to occur, and that basically means there's enough proteins in your body to trigger it to produce the proteins. So let's say there's enough amino acids in your body to then for you to create your own proteins. Um, that's triggered by the amount flowing around your body. So if there's not enough or there's only partial amounts of the nine essential amino acids, that's going to occur, occur not as often and not as easily. So 
it makes sense that um, you want to make sure that you're getting enough at each meal and um, yeah, so it can be done very healthily. Yeah, I, I agree. I do also have two points um, to make on that. If you are vegan or vegetarian and someone does, um, you know, say, no, you can't, um, you can't perform the way you want to perform without ingesting uh, the meat um, and they aren't open to looking at you living a lifestyle and reaching your goals as a vegan or vegetarian, often I think that the stress that that person would be under to go against the, their belief system, if it really is their belief system um, and it's really what they, uh, I suppose. Well, that's a whole other Pandora's box. That's a whole other, yeah, um, a whole other podcast, box. Let's not but, talk yeah, about beliefs other, and that's a whole other box. ethicals and all of that. Then I think that there is always an alternative. So, um, yeah, there's always a way to make it work. It may not be optimal, no, but there is a way to make it work. The other, um, the other point I want to make with the food combining, um, Pete, or the protein combining is you have to look at when you're combining something like beans and rice together, what is the blood sugar um, result from having that beans and rice? I would dare say that it's going to shoot your blood sh- sugar levels up. It's going to produce a sharp rise in insulin levels and that's when someone will be starting to burn sugar opposed to fat and be storing fat and um, yeah, and, and and the whole other list of problems. Yeah, that come inflammation and everything else comes uh, after that. Really so, so that is clearly where uh, food combining does not always Especially work. Especially if you're not training every day. I mean, if yeah, you're, you're exercising not... every day, you're more insulin resistant. You put that sugar straight into your muscles. But if you're not exercising and you are spiking blood sugar often, that's uh, that's going to be quite a problem. Mm. Um, so then we're, I'm just going to mention next side of the scale uh, is older people and we've all heard that as you get older you need more protein um, that's a given everybody agrees on that and it's been shown in many research studies that protein requirements increase with age so it's proven in many ways um, but what happens what do we see happening in older people that actually have this higher protein requirement they're actually hardly eating any protein, are they? They find it harder to chew for starters. They're not very hungry very often. They tend to just stick with the foods that they really prefer and what's easy for them. And that ends up being pretty much nutrient poor sweets, breads, cakes, tea, coffee, biscuits, desserts, cereals, toast, because it's very, very easy. It's simple. But it's very low in protein. Um, and for that, that can become a problem for osteopenia becoming osteoporosis and sarcopenia as well so basically losing bone density and your muscles just wither away they just there's not enough protein in your body to keep that turning over and that's an interesting thing i just remembered reading about earlier that that's one of the problems what happens it's not a problem this is what happens when you age is that your dna strands become more frayed so your cells aren't able to read the DNA and produce as efficient a protein as it did when it was younger. So if you think about that, that if you aren't producing those cells as efficiently with enough protein in your diet from at any age, then it's similar result to what happens when you are older. 
that your body is not producing the proteins to regenerate the cells. So things start to degrade much faster. So that's basically what you see when someone's getting older, their body is degrading. So the greater protein intake and better quality of protein intake you can actually, it, it's anti-aging to have good proteins. Yeah. And then there's the muscle people. So um, bodybuilders and the like who have larger muscle mass or um, even we could be referring to people that run a, a lot. Um, and as they break down and as the breakdown and repair of muscle tissue demands increase, so does the amount of amino acids um, they need to increase to rebuild those cells. So then you're looking at 40 to 50 grams per meal of protein, and that's going to be a far better target um, for their recovery and repair process. But some research does suggest, and I have no problem in agreeing with this, that given Pete's high protein intake, that two grams per kilo of body weight is absolutely fine and a good target to have. And then also keep in mind that you can be looking at supplementing if um, if you just can't be getting that amount of Particularly uh, for protein older in. Yeah. yeah. That's where supplements are really going to be important for older people to have an essential amino acid supplement. And listening to some research that was done, um, listening to the podcast of the researcher himself recently, there's no um, evidence. Like, it's absolutely fine. These are essential amino acids that the body only does good things with. So it's not like a medication. It's not something that can upset your system. There is absolutely no risk uh, to taking essential amino acids because all you're going to get is protein synthesis and that can only be a good thing. So um, it's great. So, and if you're not eating protein, then you know you're obviously going to be eating more fat and more carbs because there's only three options of macronutrients. And just interestingly as well, um, I just looked into a what happens if you are doing a protein sparing fast. Let's say. So let's say you do want to cut off some fat. Then it's recommended more like three, and you're an athlete, more like three grams per kilo of body weight. So that you're getting enough to repair, you're getting enough to produce some energy. But if you're fat adapted like myself, you're really just going to be using fat mostly as fuel for training. And then the protein is just there to keep that protein synthesis happening so that I'm not going to dip into my um, muscles at all for amino acids to continue the process of hormones, of growth of all these cells. So that that's why it's called a protein sparing fast because I'm sparing the protein in my muscles and yet I'm basically not giving my body any exogenous energy even though the protein can be turned into energy. It's not super efficient, but it happens. And so therefore, if you want to lose some, lose some body fat, that would be the ideal way to do it. Um, it's much, much better than just having straight out fast and just eating nothing because in that respect, you can start to break down some of your muscle tissue potentially because it depends on the demand of amino acids and everybody is going to be different. So just because one person says, oh, I didn't lose any muscle mass and I didn't lose any strength doesn't mean you aren't going to. Particularly for people who aren't resistance training athletes because your muscles are already quite small and weak. They're already not storing a lot of the energy that you would need and amino acids. So for you to fast and not do any exercise, um, that could actually potentially lose muscle mass that you won't get back if you're an older person. So 
do not I do not recommend and um, yeah it's not recommended to to do that sort of approach to losing weight um, or um, minimizing or food intake and calories um, just eat eat protein you'll keep your muscles and you'll be able to keep training keep repairing and and trim off a little bit of body fat if that's your goal so that's uh, just a little side note there um, <laughs> So why is protein so important? I think we've basically just told you why it's so important. Um, but the big, big factor is protein synthesis. And that's the word I seem to have trouble in saying. Um, it means having enough proteins to complete the cellular reproduction required in certain areas. Rebuilding every cell in your body from your intestines, liver, skin, hair, and the list goes on. But protein does serve many purposes. It's there for energy, cellular um, functions, repair, structural signaling, and hormonal um, uh, hormonal purposes. So uh, you could speak for hours on um, protein and why it's so important. We're and going I'll to try give not you. To. I'll go through it quickly. Yeah, Pete's going to go through it very very quickly. So you get biochemical reactions, um, and so enzymes are proteins. Um, that aid biochemical reactions that take place inside and outside of your cells. So digestive enzymes is an example of that, such as um, lactase and sucrase, which help digest sugar. So your enzymes come from proteins as well. That can aid in digestion, energy production, and muscle contraction. Um, and then you've got some proteins are hormones, so that becomes the chemical messengers within your body. So if you're scared, you get a reaction, a hormone that says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight or I'm scared and I'm going to run. But all of this comes from hormonal reactions. You've got structure. So connective framework of certain structures. And this one's crucial that we really um, are finding a, a quite a bit of a problem with athletes is that their bones are getting weaker and they're getting stress fractures um, or they've been diagnosed already with osteopenia and older people have diagnosed with osteoporosis. Um, so these proteins, um, such as collagen, is one of the main ones. And collagen is obviously in your skin, ligaments, and your bones. Your bones, are, I haven't got it, it's about 40% collagen, I think. So it's 40% of that protein. So super important that if you're not eating protein, and particularly um, proteins that can make up good amounts of collagen, then you're going to have weaker bones. Proteins also make up hemoglobin. So low protein, low hemoglobin. Not a great thing for an athlete. It bolsters immune health because proteins help form immunoglobulins or antibodies to help fight infection. So super important for staying healthy in terms of not getting sick is to have plenty of proteins. Uh, proteins transport and store nutrients also, so that's super important. And carries cell carries proteins. Uh, sorry, that transports substances in and out of your bloodstream, in and out of your cells. So to be able to cross those barriers and get signaling happening, they're used there as well. And finally, your body, your proteins can supply your body with energy. Um, so some of that is via gluconeogenesis where extra protein will be converted to glycogen and stored in your liver and muscle tissue. And that is what I'm doing most of the time because I am eating mostly protein. I eat almost zero carbohydrates every day. 
Um, so yeah, it works just fine. I can guarantee you that. I can uh, attest to that. A little bit here, just a couple of notes that come up every time in the fasting podcast or low-carb podcast or carnival podcast. Everybody's panicking about these things called mTOR and IGF-1 because more of these signals are linked to aging faster. But just like so much in the body, there's nothing in your body is without a certain role. So don't avoid meat that's going to activate mTOR because anything you eat is going to activate mTOR and IGF-1. It's just like insulin. So think of it as an inflammatory reaction that is then going to take these molecules that you've eaten and do something beneficial with those molecules. But the thing around that inflammation is that you want to allow time between meals. So yes, it's inflammation, but it's good inflammation, but you don't want inflammation all the time. So having between three to five hours um, between your meals is enough time for your proteins to drop back down and your amino acid levels come back down after they've done some work and they're still there in your body, but it allows your body those signals of mTOR and IGF-1 and insulin and anything else that was activated around the meal after a few hours has come back to a nice state of homeostasis. So that base, that's just when your body is at a natural balanced level and everything is calm again and everything's just going along nicely. So if you're snacking between every meal and you're literally not giving your body any break except for when you sleep, then that's where your body is constantly getting these signals and that can contribute to aging faster than you would like to age naturally. So you don't need to be fasting all the time to have the longest age. But what you want to do is just give your body a break between your meals so that your body can get back to a nice balanced level and a healthy level before you then give it another dose of a bit of inflammation. So just wanted to add there, Pete, uh, on um, a little bit about digestion. So with a, we, we all know we've either been there or we've got friends and family still there on a high carb diet. And um, you might often hear them, or perhaps you are, or uh, complainly, complaining um, often about being bloated or being tired and a bit sluggish, having weight gain um, and lots of muscle aches and pains. So a high carb diet can result in dysbiosis, which is an unbalanced gut bacteria, and it can cause lower stomach acid, as does your alcohol, coffee, tomatoes and other acidic foods. Don't you worry, I am a fan of coffee and a little bit of wine, so I'm not going to be abstaining from those anytime soon. (laughs) Um, And it also um, can give people some GERD issues. So excluding some of these foods and increasing protein can help resolve these issues if you do have them. And as HCL acid builds back up with gradually increased um, meat consumption, digestion will improve. A less slowest digestion and fermentation of the carby and acidic foods means less reflux. So your entire digestion can work better with a high protein diet thanks to an increase in stomach acidity and that helps break down more of the proteins for absorption. I love it. Everything everything is linked together and it's just another 
proof that yeah, you need every part of your body working holistically together to get the benefits from one of the other benefits that we're instigating. So you can't just change one thing and think that everything else is going to change. But um, yeah, just super interesting how everything is connected in the body. Quick question for you, Pete. Mm. Whey protein powder. I know you and I have... Um, different views um, often with nutrition and how we <laughs> view nutrition. But um, do you think that whey protein's okay? And do you think concentrate or isolate, plain or unflavored? Yeah, a couple. What's of, your tips? A couple of my advisors that are both doctors. Um, one goes for the isolate because it's more refined. It has less carbohydrates and less fat in it. It is more processed. So my other doctor goes for the concentrate, which is less processed. It's got a tiny bit more fat and a tiny bit more carbohydrates, but it's less processed. But either way, make sure you get a plain unflavored one. There's nothing good in fake sweeteners or artificial sugars and flavorings that come in that are that are flavor that are in protein powders. Just avoid it, get the plain ones and then just add a little bit of your own flavoring if that's what you're doing. Or the plain just tastes plain. It just tastes a little bit like kind of like a malt milkshake or something. It's not that bad. Um, it's absolutely fine. So as long as you're okay with dairy, just give it a test. If your gut doesn't feel great afterwards, then maybe there's something in that that's not great for you. Um, yeah, so back to um, why some of the things in your gut um, do throw out what you absorb as well. Um, so you mentioned that um, the digestion is going to work better if you're eating healthier um, mm. and you've got better stomach acid. The next part you get to is from your stomach. You get down to your intestinal tract. And so if you have got some bowel issues, if you've got IBS and things are a bit loose at the other end, or maybe you're just going like four times a day, um, maybe you're hardly ever going at all. Um, but you can imagine like if you are going frequently that the food is passing through you very quickly. So if you've got loose stools, it's running through you fast and it's not taking time to absorb. So now that my digestion is the best it's ever been and I eat pretty much all meat um it's very easy for me to go to the bathroom everything's completely regular and normal i just don't have to go a lot so i'll still go every day but there's just not a lot of it because most of meat is water um, and there's no fiber and things like that so i'm absorbing most of what i eat and the days that my gut doesn't perform well which is if i've eaten too much fat or if I've eaten um, foods that maybe increased my histamine reaction too much, then I'm, it's just coming out the other end uh, much too quickly and I feel really lousy. So I get inflammation of my gut, which makes me feel lousy. I get some uh, leaky gut symptoms. So some of the other proteins can get through the wall because the mucus layer was stripped by that reaction. And then I get I'm not absorbing the amino acids and other nutrients as well. So then my body is actually devoid of some nutrition for a, a couple of days because everything's going straight through. So if you're like that all the time, even if you're eating a high amount of amino acids, you're probably not absorbing that many of them because A, your stomach acid isn't good enough to break down the proteins and B, it's passing through your intestinal tract in a way that is causing inflammation 
instead of just absorbing nicely and evenly and slowly. So think about some of the reasons that could be causing that. Um, some of those are, are plants, the anti-nutrients like lectins and oxalates cause a reaction that will make your body want to get rid of it quickly and takes away the mucus lining, takes away the way that things are digested in your intestines. So think about that. Um, oxalates obviously has been known for forever, um, especially around the indigenous Australians. There's many plants that they will not eat unless it's been cooked because they know that the oxalates are at a too high level before they're cooked. So it's just a bit of a head scratcher in terms of that our guidelines currently for nutrition are told to eat things like spinach um, and broccoli and all of these things that are very high in oxalates and yet we're not given any rules around like, oh, maybe you shouldn't eat a lot of this raw like people do in raw smoothies, which we've mentioned before, but it just comes back to that a lot of people are aware that they're using these eating these oxalates, but not aware that they're at a level that's going to cause a bit of a problem. So yeah, really interesting that um, some people are aware of them, some people aren't so aware of them, but it definitely can cause a reaction in your gut and cause the bioavailability of the amino acids to lower greatly. So if you're reading the amino acid content, the protein content, of a product, so whether it be a supplement or a food that you're eating, that's the best case scenario of what you can absorb. So if your stomach and intestinal, your whole digestive tract is not optimal, then you aren't going to be absorbing as much as it says. So it's always better to err on the side of having more rather than less. And when you do eat your proteins, try not to have too many other inflammatory things with them. So let's say don't have a lot of raw spinach when you're eating your steak. Try not to water down your protein shake to the point where it's just got so much water and bananas and carbohydrates that that might also cause a bit of lack of absorption as well. Um, so that's super interesting about that. Um, another thing that I find super interesting is carnitine. Um, carnitine is made from amino acids and it's got a critical role in energy production. It transports fatty acids into the mitochondria for oxidization into energy. So clearly, really important um, product in the body. And it declines with age. And so does the mitochondrial membrane integrity. So everything just gets a little bit older and more fragile as you get older. So we can't produce carnitine as well as we get older. And if we're not eating carnitine, then we're going to be low in carnitine. Um, there's not a lot of research as to if it's beneficial as a sports supplement. There's nothing saying it, it is, but there's nothing saying it isn't. Um, but you definitely don't want to be low because of its ability to produce energy. Um, it's a super important nutrient. Um, and a good diet with good amounts of um, animal protein is going to get you good sufficient amounts. Um, but red meat is the highest in carnitine. So more the redder the meat, the higher the carnitine. So if you're vegan and or vegetarian and not eating red meat, you may want to look at a, a carnitine supplement. Carnitine is directly linked to reduced sperm count in men. And supplementation has been shown to increase total count and motility. So carnitine Pretty important. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> 
So um, carnitine can be found in red meat, as you said before, um, and redder the meat, the higher the carnitine content. So as Pete said, if you're not eating red meat, um, strongly suggest that you look into taking a carnitine supplement. Um, one issue that can also be related to amino acids is elevated homocysteine levels. So I know that Pete and I are getting quite detailed in this podcast, um, but hang on. And, it will make sense. Uh, it will make sense at the end. Um but really, this is a problem caused by low levels of B6, B9, which is folate, or B12. So those B vitamins are used to convert homocysteine into a beneficial amino acid. However, if we're low in those vitamins, increased homocysteine is related to many health issues. And this does include low pregnancy success rates in women. This is no surprise since we... Well, we mentioned folate and we've all heard many times about folate being very important for pregnancy. So its correlation to increased homocysteine levels is, again, um, it's, it's no big surprise. So the answer is not to stop eating proteins like egg and muscle meat that increase your levels of homocysteine because we need those to be converted for many uses in the body. Um, we should be consuming plenty of folate, B6 and B12 to make use of the homocysteine. So, of course, those vitamins play many other crucial roles in the body and should be eaten regularly. So not to scare anyone off eating the muscle meats and the healthy fats and proteins like eggs at all. Um, we should be really ideally eating organ meats, particularly liver, really high nutrient-dense food. Pete's favourite, his liver. He has been lately making me liver pate. I never thought I'd be eating liver pate, but it's absolutely amazing and I can't even taste that it's liver. I've, um, I've dulled it down a bit with chicken or turkey mints. So even the chicken or turkey mints isn't as great as a beef mint because it's got the liver, it's actually now better than beef mints. <laughs> and I think you also put in some herbs and spices for me and some bacon. Yeah, anything to make it taste good and so you can't taste the liver and actually eat it. Um, And I put it into lettuce leaves and then I'll put like um, sliced chili, uh, any sour cream or cheese avocado that I've got and I'll have it as like a a liver taco boat, which sounds totally weird. um, But it looks amazing. That's what I do. (laughs) So along with liver, you want to – any shellfish, clams, oysters and mussels are also super high in uh, those B vitamins. So super important to be eating those, particularly if you wanted thinking about getting pregnant because of the folate, um, which is B6. So that's super important. But then the the whole point of getting off track and going into the Bs that we um, just did a little bit was to, to highlight the importance of not cherry picking the nutrients. So just because we're saying, oh, carnitine is important or amino acids are important, um, you can't live off a supplemented diet. You need whole foods that have all the vitamins in them. So that's why it's really important to eat a really balanced diet that has all of these different vitamins, minerals, and amino acids in them so that you're getting the combination of them together. So it's not just amino acids that do this in your body. It's the amino acids combined with B12, with folate, with B6, and thousands of other reactions that go on in your body so just keep thinking of the big picture every time we say something or you hear something that says oh this is the answer to this 
you've got to take another hundred steps back from that reaction of that item that you're having or that you're doing and figure out, well, but why is that working and what's it combining with for how it helps me and my body? And that's really hard and it takes a long time to learn enough to see the big picture. And, you know, from from researching this podcast, I learned so much about how many interactions there are in the body that it's been amazing just to be like, oh, okay, so that's why eating liver is important. It's not just because it's got this, this, and this in it that I'm not getting elsewhere. It's also because eating that with the amino acids means my amino acids are going to be much better as well. So it's just really cool um, figuring out how the body works in, in a way that if we just ate naturally, if we just ate in a way that nature intended, which just means eating real food that's not processed and eating foods that you might not normally eat. As we said, try and get 30 grams of protein at each meal, which might be 120 grams of steak or, you know, five to six eggs, or you just go sort of three eggs and 70 grams of salmon or something yummy. Um, That's enough to get that protein synthesis happening. Um, But just try and have that muscles, the liver, other organ meats, if you can get that once a week, then that's going to really help your ability to produce the right amount of proteins within your body from those amino acids with those other huge amount of vitamins. So one meal out of what, let's say you eat three times a day, that's 28 meals. But let's say you eat meals plus you snack during the day, um, plus you eat dessert. Maybe that's 50 times you're eating. And we're just saying if you have one meal a week that is a slightly outside of your comfort zone, that isn't a treat, that isn't giving you happy hormones as much, but it will in time. It's a different type of happy. It's a more of a satisfactory happy, like I did this for my health. Then that's super interesting um, that you can make that change with a goal in mind of having that bit of liver once a week. For example, I keep coming back to liver because it is the <laughs> highest density nutrient food available. Like you look at any chart on the internet. Uh, yes, the internet has got some good answers, but has got a lot of fake news. But liver is on the top of every list. So I can't see every single list being um, totally wrong. So think about getting some of that in you. Make a nice pate of it or just cook it up with some bacon and yeah, enjoy it. It's just cook it rare. Don't overcook it for our cooking tip of the week. Don't overcook your liver. Make sure it's slightly pink still inside because overcooked liver does taste pretty average compared to slightly pinker liver. Jamie, you want to round out the show with something? Yeah. So um, my little tidbit for protein would be just try and keep it simple. Lots of the meals that I prefer to eat do literally take five to 10 minutes to prepare. And a lot of them are portable. Just making sure that you're trying to shop at your local butcher, you're trying to ask is like, where's the meat from? Is it locally sourced? Is it grass fed? Um, Try and support your local economy and build that relationship where you can have fun with it. Ask your butcher, "How, how should I cook it? Um, what's the tastiest meat today and where did it come from? It is really hard to get it through your mind and change your mindset around protein. It does have a face. You're emotionally attached to it. I understand that. And that's one thing that Pete's had to help me a lot with. But that's not now, all proteins. No, but it's definitely not all proteins. The, definitely the best sources of 
protein. But like we say, it's not just the protein. Yeah. It's all the other stuff that comes with that, such as heme iron and carnitine. Um, and all these other vitamins and minerals. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the question is to ask yourself is how is this food nourishing me and is it going to help me to uh, reach my goal and I suppose make me see the benefits that I want to see, whether that's a change in body composition where you lose weight, you lean up, you tone up and you gain some strength and power. So you go faster in training on race day or you're just more focused and felt and efficient at work or happier around the family home. Um, so that's where my mindset has changed. I do eat a lot more red meat now. As Pete said before, I'm eating liver pate. Who knew that was ever, ever going to happen? One of my favorite favorite meals is savory mince and it's one that lots of us probably remember our grandparents eating because it's really economical for the family. It can be used in many ways. You can eat it in lettuce leaves. You can have like a taco bowl with it. If, if you want, have some of the corn chips. It's not going to kill you. Have it once every two weeks or once a month and have your, your taco night. I know Pete's cringing over there. Um, but if you're metabolically flexible and if you're eating what's um, whole foods and non-processed foods 90% of the time or even 95% of the time, then when you're out with your mates out having um, fun and you do just want to throw caution to the wind, your body is going to be more set up for that um, influx of inflammatory foods and it's going to recover quicker and you also have the knowledge that hey I don't do it every day and I'm just going to let loose Um, you've got to do that sometimes so yeah that would just be my little bit of uh, wisdom for the podcast (laughs) is try and stick to simple five minute food source from farmers markets local butchers support your local economy and have fun with it nice my last note recapping that what you absorb matters so anything to do with your body and nutrition and digestion of foods, um, certain foods I've covered. Uh, we didn't mention that drugs are going to be an issue. So anything that you have like aspirins and things like that are going to affect your ability to absorb. That affects how your gut and digestive tract, tract will work, like antibiotics as well. All of those things can reduce the ability to absorb nutrients from the food. So Aim for the best, but know that if you've still got some digestive issues or you're, if you're taking any prescription drugs or if you are still eating a lot of raw um, foods that have a lot of high oxalate levels, then your absorption rate is going down quite a lot. So we need a healthy stomach acid level. We need a healthy digestive tract. That means not full of sh- bacteria that's living on sugar. So cutting out the sugar is a start to increasing that ability to absorb things. Um, good balanced bacteria, non-inflamed intestinal lining, and just a nice, firm, steady, daily passage through our intestines and out the other end. And can I just interrupt there, Pete? If you're experiencing like muscle aches and pains, if you have sore joints like sore knees or a sore back, Um, you know, you go to bed at night and you're thinking, oh, I just wish this pain would stop. We've previously had a client um, that we were both working closely with for a while and she she was on inflammatory steroids and she was booked in to see a surgeon to get back surgery. She started increasing her protein consumption. She actually, um, she, I think she was basically what 90% 
carnival pretty much in the end. But she ended up cancelling her appointment and actually going off her uh, anti-inflammatory drugs and some of the steroids that she was on and she heavily heavily she reduced her pain and she got back to exercising for the first time in years so it yep, it is my, real it does happen my mum's been similar that um part of her process was yes she changed to carnival she got a lot of inflammatory markers right down but still having some gut issues but as she's been able to get off some of her prescription drugs she's been able to increase the ability for her gut to handle other things and have a better balance um so yeah it's obvious it happens and that's that's it that's the end of the show today um (laughs) talking about you know, guts and bowels and things. So we'll end it there and hope you've gotten something. If there's anything we skipped over and didn't explain properly, we'd love you to just give us a question and we will follow that up with the people that we know who are much smarter than us and we'll do our own research on that as well. So please let us know what you thought of this and what you got out of it and get in touch with us if you'd like some help on how to approach your changes to increasing your amount of protein in your diet. Look forward to speaking with you next time. Pete and I are very excited to announce our new Live Your Own Fit program. It is a 12-week program. So it is for you if you are after an ideal body composition, you want to resolve any IBS issues, you want to gain clarity and focus, have increased energy levels and more balanced blood sugar levels throughout the day. You want to achieve greater bone density, have a reduced chance of injury, burnout and fatigue. So get in touch with us if if any of those resonate with you. Pete and I are available at hello at liveyourownfit.com or feel free to get in contact with us through our website, liveyourownfit.com. We'd love to hear from you.